0: This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. 51 miles of the Appalachian Trail runs through Connecticut. Have the White Blaze Trails piqued your interest to one day do the entire trek from Georgia to Maine? Coming up, we'll talk with Connecticut residents who've hiked the AT. We'll also hear from the Appalachian Trail Conservancy about the legendary hike and whether its popularity has impacted preservation efforts. That's later. Now, thousands of hikers attempt the AT each year. Usually it takes six months to walk the more than 2,000 miles of trails. But did you know there's a subculture of hikers and runners who seek the fastest known time, or FKT, on the trail? Jennifer Farr Davis is one of them. She became the first woman to set the overall fastest known time record in 2011. She finished in, get ready for this, in 46 days, 11 hours, and 20 minutes. She joins Where We Live today to talk about her experience in her new book, The Pursuit of Endurance, Harnessing the Record-Breaking Power of Strength and Resilience. Jennifer Farr Davis joins us by phone. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hey, Lucy. Thanks for having me. I I wanted to tell our listeners at the top that you set this record back in 2011. How many miles on average did you hike to get that record in 2011?
1: I averaged 47 miles a day for 46 days.
0: And how does someone do that? What exactly did you have to pull from inside uh, to keep going? Because we know this, this uh, trail from so many people who've, that we know that have done it or we've done a show previously about hiking the Appalachian Trail. It takes a lot of effort uh, and strength uh, uh, to complete this trail, and you did it in such a, a, a speedy way. I mean, how, do you, how did you do it?
1: Well, you know, that's a good question, and I think there's a lot of um – misconceptions that when you're setting a record you run Um, and I didn't run at all during my 46 day hike if anything um, it was crawling that got me to the end so as much as like overcoming the mountains you're constantly looking at overcoming you know self-doubt and insecurity and and just it's a very much an internal journey as it is an external journey so it's a different animal than a traditional through hike and I've done both I don't think one's better than the other but um, the record definitely offers something very special as an experience.
0: Uh, I should You had mentioned that you had done the Appalachian Trail a few times. So that when you set the record, that wasn't your first time. So let's talk about the first time you were drawn to hiking uh, the AT. Uh, what set you out uh, and how old were you?
1: I was 21 years old and um, I didn't grow up hiking or backpacking, but I graduated from college and you know, I needed time and a place to figure out what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. And also, a big part of me wanted to spend time outdoors and use my body. And it was hard to put that desire into words. But looking back, I feel like it makes so much sense because for most of history, humans have been outside and moving. We've been following herds, We've been gathering. We've been working in the field. So I think a lot of us have a very primal urge that says, don't sit at a desk all day and then go to a four-wall house. Like, go outside, use your body, move. And that's what I was feeling when I was 21, and I still feel that today.
0: Where did you go, or what did you read? Any classes that you took to prepare for that first time on the Appalachian Trail?
1: Well, I should have prepared more, and mainly I should have taken a practice backpacking trip. Um, I had the trail right out of college, and the only thing I did that was really helpful beforehand is um, I took a five-day class with a man named Warren Doyle, who is one of the characters in my book. But um, he's completed the Appalachian Trail close to 18 times. Now he's working on his 18th completion. So he knows a lot about the trail, and he doesn't focus on gear or physical preparation. He He really likes to talk about sort of the mental and emotional aspects of the trail, and I found that really helpful before starting out on my journey.
0: What was the most challenging thing about the trail the first time you set out to accomplish it, Jennifer?
1: I just think how relentless it was. Um, I felt like I was pretty fit, but there's a big difference between running a marathon or playing in a sports tournament and then that evening having a warm meal and taking a shower and sleeping in a soft bed. You know, the trail was day in, day out, up and down mountains, aching shoulders, blisters on your feet snow, cold rain, which is worse than snow. You're always away from your friends and family and support networks. So just, I remember like, oh, it was like three weeks in and I got to this place that's about 250 miles into the Appalachian Trail and they had a map of the entire path. And I remember thinking I had had the hardest three weeks of my entire life. And I looked at the map and it hardly seemed like I had left the beginning. Um, so just like, the unending, relentless nature of a thru-hike, I think, is, is the most challenging aspect.
0: Mm. Uh, now, you said that uh, you had so many more miles to go uh, before uh, reaching Mount Katahdin in Maine. Uh I'm just curious when we, we look at uh, the, we'll be talking with someone from the Appalachian Trail Conservancy, and they have lots of of, of tips for people uh, before they start out on this journey. One of them is not to hike alone, but that's something that you did. You did a solo hike. Uh, were you ever wor- worried about your safety?
1: I love hiking alone. I, r- I really hesitate to say to people that they shouldn't experience that if that's something they want. I would never push someone out of their comfort zone if that's not something they feel safe doing. But Honestly, before I started, I was terrified that I was going to be bored and lonely when I went out there and then I experienced I experienced that and, and what it turned into was peace and I was like, this is the first time in my life I've really um, been able to embrace solitude. I have not spent time alone before hiking, and this is the first time I don't have to produce or react or perform in front of another person or a group of people and you know there was a real um just um, that freedom. there was a freedom in spending time alone, and it's so hard to find. And so I think the trail is still one place where you can you can find that and experience it and embrace it.
0: I'm speaking with Jennifer Farr Davis. She's an American long-distance hiker. In 2011, she set the record for the fastest known time on the Appalachian Trail, a distinction she held on for four years. She's the author of a new book called The Pursuit of Endurance, Harnessing the Record-Breaking Power of Strength and Resilience. uh, That's out this month. Uh, Jennifer, so we were talking about the first time you hiked the AT. Uh, What made you go back?
1: Well, after my first hike, I realized my life was very different. Um, My values had changed. I valued simplicity. I um, value quality relationships. The trail put me in contact with individuals who are very, very different for me from all different backgrounds and beliefs. And I love that. And I valued that, you know, I embraced the solitude, like we just said. And then I think the big kicker is I got off trail and I got a job and it was a great job, but I'd wake up and go to work every day. And you know, I was taking showers and wearing clean clothes and putting on deodorant and all that good stuff. And I never felt as beautiful as I did when I was on the trail. And when I was out there, I was filthy, you know, covered in scrapes and dirt and bug bites. But for five months, I didn't have a mirror and I didn't have media telling me what I should look like. So I started to see myself in a new way through other people's um, Interactions, if I made someone smile, I felt beautiful. And then, you know, I'd always thought that nature was pretty, but I had never seen myself as a part of it and a part of all that beauty. And it just got to the point where I realized I felt like I belonged more in a natural setting and outdoors and on the trail than I did in an office. And I really wanted to help other people experience that kind of life changing transformation. So when I was 24 years old, um, I started my own hiking company, Blue Ridge Hiking Company in North Carolina. And I also started this routine of just saving up and taking time off to hike and feed my soul.
0: Why pursue this fastest known time? Before I read your book, Jennifer, I had no idea there was a subculture of hikers, some even runners, that do this trail in in a very uh, speedy way. As I mentioned, it takes most people six months uh, to hike the AT. You did it in uh, 46 days when you made that overall fastest known time. Why set out to do it that way?
1: I think it's a different type of adventure. Um, by the time I wanted to try for the record, I had, you know, about eight or 9,000 miles of traditional backpacking. I did the Appalachian Trail, Pacific Crest Trail, hiked on different continents. And people, you know, part of human nature is asking, what what am I capable of? What can I achieve? And and some people are making new innovations, um, and some people are, are trying to find cures for, for diseases, and some people are asking their bodies what they can do. And I think it's important, even though it appeals to a really small percentage, because, you know, all these people in the book, The Pursuit of Endurance, and I know, you know, personally, I wasn't groomed to be an endurance athlete. I wasn't brought up with any hint of setting trail records. And, And all the people who are doing it have just very average backgrounds. And when you look at these people and look at what they do with their bodies and the fact that they can cover close to 50 miles a day, for a month and a half or two months, it makes you realize, even if you're not doing that, even if you don't want to do that, it just makes you, like, it confronts you with the fact that our bodies are a gift and our bodies are, like, capable of so much more than what we're doing on a daily basis. And I think, you know, sometimes it takes that extreme example or those, like, inspiring individuals who are pushing the bounds to, like, motivate other people to just moderate exercise to walk two or three miles per day and I know now I have two small children under the age of five and I'm working my butt off and I don't do any type of endurance events but because I know my body can do that it does make me want to include just like moderate exercise whenever I can
0: you were the first woman uh, to reach the fastest known time in 2011 what did that mean for you and did you feel like there were those that discounted your efforts You know, it was
1: very important for me in my journey um, on and off the trail to be the first woman to set the mark because it's just interesting, like before my first hike, I never really thought about gender equality. I never really processed the societal expectations of women and I got on the trail and it was the most equal environment I had ever been a part of. There was no hierarchy, there's no boss on the trail, you know, there's no... Um, family set up on the trail. And as a woman, I found that I did really, really well out there. And again, it was redefining my sense of beauty, you know, and made me feel like I was living up to other people's expectations instead of my own potential. And so for me, it took like, (laughs) at this point, you know, it's taken like 15,000 miles, but I feel like the The trail has helped me claim my ability and my equality as a woman, and the record was a really physical manifestation of that. Um, So it's important for me personally, and I love that this science is coming out now and just proving that in efforts of extreme endurance, there is no gender gap, there is no gender difference. If anything, you know, females might have the upper hand and And that's been illustrated by people like, you know, um, Diane Nyad um, in her long-distance swimming and another hiker in the book, The Pursuit of Endurance, Heather Anderson. She's now set records on the Appalachian Trail and Pacific Crest Trail. So I think it's really important for women to accept that they can perform equally as men in efforts of endurance, but also in things like work and the boardroom and their family. You know, so it's had a lot of carryover for me. And I hope it positively impacts and also encourages other women to, to claim their ability and, and feel like they belong in, in worlds that are sometimes dominated by men.
0: You mentioned in your book, uh, you encourage other women uh, to reach the overall fastest known time to not to compete against you because you're a woman, but to, to also compete against the men.
1: Yeah, well, I think you know. Again, like I was the first woman, but I'm not the last woman. And uh, more and more evidence and more science is pointing to the fact that women can compete with men. So why would we limit ourselves? I think a lot of times females limit themselves because there is a different category for them. And I think in a lot of in a lot of areas, you know, probably not the hundred yard dash, but in a lot of areas of life, we need to dissolve those categories of, of male and female because because they're limiting. And that was one thing I found in in the long-distance hiking and and the trail records is there didn't need to be two different gender categories for the overall title. Um, So more and more I think you're going to see a list that includes men and also includes um, a fair amount of women.
0: Today I'm speaking with Jennifer Farr Davis She's an American long distance hiker Also the author of a new book The Pursuit of Endurance This is Where We Live, I'm Lucy Nalbithanchel Now some of us dream about hiking the Appalachian Trail Are you one of them? You can join the conversation today 860-275-7266 And find us on Facebook and Twitter At Where We Live Jennifer's going to stick around with us And coming up we'll take your calls And also hear from the Appalachian Trail Conservancy This is the organization that works To preserve this uh, unique unique uh, U.S. trail on the East Coast, more after the break. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nopithanchel. I've been talking with author and American long-distance hiker Jennifer Farr-Davis. She has a new book out called The Pursuit of Endurance, Harnessing the Record-Breaking Power of Strength and Resilience. In it, she talks about what drives athletes like herself to seek trail records. Far davis set a record on the AT in 2011, hiking the more than 2,000-mile trail in 46 days, 11 hours, and 20 minutes. Now, the Appalachian Trail was created more than 80 years ago. The idea came from Stamford, Connecticut native... Benton McKay, who was an early pioneer in preserving land for recreation. Today, the Appalachian Trail Conservancy works to preserve the trail. Joining us now from the studios of WGMU in Fairfax, Virginia, is Laurie Pottinger, Information Service Manager for the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. She also hiked the entire trail back in 1987. Laurie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, the way that uh, Jennifer and others that she profiled in her book uh, hiked uh, the trail, some of them even ran, pretty unusual. It's not the way that uh, most people think about uh, hiking the AT. Uh, what is the Conservancy's uh, stance on
2: this way of, of making this, th- this trek? Well, we just love to see people getting out there and hiking the Appalachian Trail. And people do it in so many different ways. Jennifer is really such an inspiration. I have to say, I'm just a huge fan of hers. Uh, she's a terrific writer. Her book about her first hike is um, incredible, makes you feel like you're there, and I strongly recommend that you read all of them, starting with Becoming Odessa. But um, she set out you know, to do the trail as a personal challenge, but I think for everyone that goes out there, it's a, a little bit of a challenge, whether it's getting away from the office just for a day or two or whether you're just simply going to attempt a thru-hike. So fast or slow, man or woman, young or old, the Appalachian Trail is there whether you're gonna do it for half a day or six months or take 20 years to do it.
0: Uh, Lori, through the years, has uh, the view of how people hike this trail changed. Uh, In Jennifer's book, she talks about uh, one particular uh, friend, uh, uh, Warren Doyle. uh, When he set uh, the record on on the AT, uh, you know, he didn't get a a good relationship between him and uh, the Appalachian Trail Conservancy at the time.
2: Well, you know, uh, you mentioned the trail's founder, Benton Mackay. And really, I think our perspective in the early days came from him when The first person to set a speed record, he said, oh, you know, they're just doing a stunt. They don't really appreciate or understand what the Appalachian Trail is all about. And we sort of inherited that bias. But over time, we came to see, and I have to say, especially through Jennifer and the way she has talked about her journey, that, you know, there can be beauty and discovery when you're doing uh, fastest known time attempt she saw so much wildlife she had so many insights and and she was incredibly humble about her attempt and made it very personal so I think we have just come to see that any way that someone hikes the trail is is something to be admired and the important thing is that you just get out there and do it and learn to do it in a way that's sustainable and that's that's what we're about now is trying to get as many people out there to enjoy it but learn how to do it in a way that is uh, responsible and helps preserve the trail, and also get out there at times where it's not too crowded, that if you want that opportunity for solitude, you do a little research and find out what areas are crowded and which ones are not, and we're trying to provide the, the tools for that and, and help people educate themselves so they can make, you know, good choices about how they uh, experience the trail and really enjoy it.
0: Laura, you mentioned uh, the trails being crowded at times. How, have you, how has the Appalachian Trail Conservancy seen the popularity of this trail change just in the last uh, uh, decade or so? There's definitely books by Bill Bryson and Cheryl Strayed uh, that have uh, piqued people's attention. Uh, but what, how many hikers actually attempt this each
2: year and um, how, how has that grown? Well, gosh, the numbers have really just grown astronomically with, and and books are a big part of it, Bill Bryson's was certainly one, but last year we saw almost 5,000 people attempt the trail, and you go back in the 70s, and it was just uh, a few hundred, so it's a really huge increase, and we've been seeing record years, several years uh, in a row, but the thing is, uh, people don't all have to start in the same place or time. Last year, about um, almost 4,000 people started in Georgia, most during a six-week window. But increasingly, people are learning that they can attempt the trail in different ways. In fact, we're encouraging people to think about starting in the middle, which is a pretty radical concept to some, but they actually find there, there can be benefits. Not only do you Uh, avoid hiking in those crowded conditions but if you start in the middle you can start in easier terrain you can actually have a longer window to complete the hike and there can be just a lot of benefits and I just have to mention that you can even start a thru-hike in Connecticut um, because that has been done and in fact there's a a famous hiker by the name of Cool Breeze from Connecticut who sort of invented a way to hike the trail starting in Connecticut that has really started to get popular. So there's just so many ways to do it. And you just need to be informed about what you're going to encounter before you get out there. And we try to have as much information on our website about that as we can. Today, we're talking about the Appalachian Trail on where we live. Is this
0: something that you have hiked in the past or you hope to do in the future? Join the conversation 860-275-7266. Stephanie's calling from Simsbury. Stephanie, go ahead.
1: Hi, Um, I just want to say thank you so much for having this amazing guest on. Um, I am planning a thru-hike of the Appalachian Trail for 2020 and my passion for backpacking started when I read Wild by Cheryl Strayed and I was just wondering what advice your guest would have for a woman who's planning her first thru-hike in a couple years and what she might have wanted to know before she started her first thru-hike.
0: Well, Stephanie, thank you for your call. I'll start with uh, Jennifer Farr-Davis, who's joining us by phone. Uh, Jennifer, uh, what's some advice for this for Stephanie, uh, who's planning to do her first through hike uh, to walk the entire AT in 2020?
1: Um, well, just like Laurie just referenced, um, the Appalachian Trail Conservancy has a really wonderful website called AppalachianTrail.org, and they list references to help plan your hike. Um, they also talk a lot about important things when you go hiking, like leave no trace, learning how to hike sustainably, not leave an impact on the woods. And so I would encourage you to um, consider becoming a member of the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. It's like super affordable. And then they're going to give you so much more information um, for that small membership. And you're going to be inspired by people's stories. You're going to be informed by um, the facts and statistics you're going to learn about the best places to start or alternative starts like Laurie said what we call flip-flop going in the middle so I think immersing yourself in the organization and culture before you start is really important um, and then the one thing I wish I had done before I started is to take a backpacking trip a week-long backpacking trip before setting foot on the AT it is shocking how many people go out there and begin a six-month hike without spending six days in the woods. So try to do a practice hike, what hikers would call shakedown, making sure you know what you need and you know, get used to taking care of your feet on the trail and maybe set up your tent in the dark and all that good stuff. And then mentally and emotionally, I always just say try to remain totally stubborn, totally, totally stubborn and yet like completely adaptable, <laughs> which <laughs> seems counterintuitive. So you might need... 2,000 miles to make sense of that. But that, to me, is the key to success on the Appalachian Trail.
0: Jennifer, we just have a, a few more minutes before we head to break. I, I wanted to bring up, uh, uh, as we read uh, The Pursuit of Endurance, your new book, uh, you mentioned um, the importance of having a supported hike. Your husband supported you uh, while you were on uh, the AT. And uh, it's interesting. I never, never thought about how uh, people are meeting uh, hikers at certain areas to help them um, maybe uh, bring in some food. Or I'm just curious the logistics of it. People don't have to do this all by themselves if they, they feel they need the support.
1: Sure. So most of my backpacking is traditional backpacking where you're carrying all your gear and then on average on the Appalachian Trail about every three or four days you would go into town and you would get more supplies and keep going um, but I got married before trying the record and and because of that, and this close bond I have with my husband, he actually helped me to set the overall record. um He met me at Road Crossings and brought me supplies and so it was a logistical strategy for setting the record, but what it also made me realize is that When you are hiking the whole trail as a section hiker or if you're trying to do it as a traditional thru-hike, there are so many avenues to include other people, and they don't have to hike a long time with you. Like, if you have someone, a loved one, friend, or family member, and they want to be part of this experience and they have, like, mobility issues or they're not in great shape, they can help by just encouraging you and meeting you at road crossings for a few days, or people can come and, and day hike short sections with you while you're still backpacking, um... So, as again, Lori referenced earlier, there's so many ways to experience the Appalachian Trail. There's not one right way. I know one, one of my favorite times on the Appalachian Trail was when my brother and sister-in-law brought my six-month-old niece out to see me, and we basically would just picnic together for two days as I hiked. But... Um, that's what the trail is for. It's it's there for young kids, it's there for people seeking a challenge, it's there for folks who want to hike the whole thing or go on an hour-long birding watch. So with all those options it's just really wonderful as a through hiker to include some of those experiences and people with interest along the way.
0: Mm. I mentioned Jennifer uh, that you set this uh, fastest known time back in 2011. You held that record for four years uh, and then ultra runner Scott Durek I believe uh, beat your record. How did that feel and, and do you think you'll, you'll try to set it again? Well, you know,
1: honestly, Lucy, I'll be, I'll be truthful. He only broke it by three hours. And in that moment, I was like, oh, man, like, if you're going to break a record, break it good. Like, break it by, like, 20 hours so I don't have to rethink, like, every pee break along the way. But the rewarding part in losing the record and maybe the best part of the whole experience was that nothing changed. You know, like someone else held the title and all the lessons and experiences and the memories and the bond I still held with my husband because of that, that I think has made us better parents and, and better coworkers. Like, it was so wonderful losing the record because it was like reclaiming it all over again.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, we only have a, a little bit of time left with you, Jennifer. Uh, your book, again, uh, focuses on on uh, your path on the AT as you set the fastest known time. You profiled other athletes and what brought them to the trail. But this book isn't just about uh, hiking the AT. What's a, a quick lesson that, uh, that readers can get from your book?
1: Well, you know, I think they wrote the book because the lessons of endurance are more important to me now as a mom of two young kids who's working very hard and and running her own company. And so I think I think the most important takeaway is that physical, emotional and mental endurance are all connected and endurance unlike most sports, it's not about gaining or gaining muscle, it's about taking things away. It's about stripping off layers. It's about lightening your pack and finding something that's deep within you. So I would say you just don't have to take anything on to be a creature of endurance. It's in there somewhere deep already. And no matter what path you're on, it's a process of uncovering it.
0: Jennifer Farr Davis, American long distance hiker and author of the book, The Pursuit of Endurance. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We'll be back after a short break. But first, if you enjoy the conversations on Where We Live, support this show and the work that you hear on WNPR. Here are two of my colleagues to tell you more. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up tomorrow, rapidly advancing technology is changing the way we do a lot of things, including policing. On the next row we live, police drones are coming to Hartford. Are they an invasion of privacy? Or a helpful tool for law enforcement? And how are lawmakers debating this new technology? Join the conversation. That's tomorrow on Where We Live. Now, do you want to hike the Appalachian Trail? You can join the conversation today, 860 275 Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Joining us from the studios of WGMU in Fairfax, Virginia, is Laurie Potiger Information Service Manager for the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. She hiked the entire AT back in, in 1987. Laurie, I mentioned that the uh, ATC is uh, was- working on preserving the trail. How challenging is that with this
2: increase in popularity and with so many hikers attempting? Well it it is a big challenge but it's it's one that we want to have because we need people to love and enjoy the trail so that they will want to protect it. So ultimately it's it's a good thing we just have to be innovative and use education sometimes actually technology all the uh, resources at our disposal to just reach people in in different ways. But there's plenty of room for everyone uh, if they just learn how to leave no trace and know where to go and when.
0: You said leave no trace, but is that something that uh, some of those hikers aren't learning? Is there a lot
2: of of pollution along the trail? Well, some of leave no trace is intuitive. It's like you pick up your trash. Really, most hikers are are really good about it, but some things uh, just are not intuitive. For example, part of uh, leaving no trace is how you store your food at night and making sure that you have the skills to either hang it in a tree from a limb that's 18 feet high and six feet from the trunk. Um, like who, who would think of that as part of leave no trace, but ultimately it gets to Every, every little um, step that you take, everything that you do, you just think about how you can minimize your impact and how if thousands or millions of people are doing the same thing, what's the most sustainable way to do it? So uh, some of it's intuitive, and some of it are skills that have to be learned, and we're trying to provide more education through our website, online courses, in-person courses, what we call Ridge Runners, just um, a, a whole different big menu of different strategies. We'll tweet out uh, some links to the Appalachian Trail Conservancy
0: uh, at where we live. Uh, I mentioned, Lori, that you hiked back in, in 1987. What uh, drew you to, to make this journey again, uh, more than 2,000 miles? Well,
2: gosh, um, uh, it was hearing the stories of other through hikers. I was lucky enough to hear a slideshow. And of course, I read the books. And, you know, for anyone, it's about um, getting a dream and the trail itself was just a man's dream and I think the Appalachian Trail speaks to the power of dreams and so any hike whether it's just for a day or whether it's uh, attempting what Jennifer did starts with a big dream but I think we also need to emphasize that you need to start small and you start with that short short day hike and easier terrain and then you work up to maybe an overnight and then maybe the week-long shakedown hike that Jennifer talked about and then If you know you really like it uh, and are ready for the six-month journey, then you can undertake that. Jennifer Far
0: davis also mentioned that this trail is open uh, to to anyone. Uh, Who are some, when we talk about age, you know, the youngest hiker to trek on the AT, the oldest, and and all the people in between that attempt every every year? Give us some
2: examples. Well, gosh, um, the most common demographic you see out there is 20-somethings because actually the Freedom comes the most easily at that age in life, and you don't have the uh, so many things tying you down. But you see a lot of retirees. Um, you see family groups even, like fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. Um, there have been young children out there with their parents. Um, there have been groups like uh, veterans that have hiked the trail together as a uh, walk-off-the-war healing kind of experience. Um, you name it, any any type of um, person you can think of has been out there and um, sometimes we think about the trail and how there's not uh, a great deal of diversity historically but we definitely see that increasing because the trail is such a welcoming and friendly place, if people maybe have reservations or wonder if they're, you know, if it's the right place for them, all they have to do is go out there and find that, um, like Jennifer said, it's like the most equal environment and people are so friendly and welcoming to everyone. So the word just needs to get out about that. I
0: want to welcome into the conversation now on where we live uh, Sam Ducharme. We've actually spoken to him a couple of years ago. He's a Connecticut resident who threw hike the trail back in 2015. Uh, now uh, you may recognize his name. He travels all around New England speaking at libraries about uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail. Sam, welcome back to the show.
3: Hi, Lucy. Hi, Lori.
0: So what have you been up to, Sam? Uh, what's the latest hike that you've taken?
3: Well, I'm actually on my wedding trip. We're doing a lot of hiking on the Appalachian Trail, and uh, currently we're down in Georgia. We've just been uh, doing the Creeper Trail down here in there, Damascus.
0: Did you say your wedding? Your wedding trip?
3: Yeah, my future wife and I are down here. Hiking on a trail and having some fun before we get married down here, and then we're going to head back up to Connecticut.
0: Well, congratulations to you, Sam. Uh, it's been a few years again since we last spoke with you, uh, and we're talking about the popularity of the Appalachian Trail. What are some of what's some of the advice that you give people when you give these talks around New England about um, setting out on on the AT? Well,
3: I, I, first of all, I can, biggest. Piece of advice, no, none of the hikers will take because you don't learn it till you're done hiking. Is that it goes by fast and to slow down, but they're all trying to get the mileage in, so they're uh, they won't listen to that and they won't realize it till they're off the trail about a month later.
0: Now, when you did the AT the first time, you weren't prepared at all. Uh, now, uh, what it, when you tell people, uh, you know, giving them advice? I mean, that's not something that you would recommend to others. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, no. I had a rough uh, learning experience. The first month was just torture. So, I try to encourage them to go out and, and do the shakedown packs that you hear Jennifer talk about, Lori, and and uh, work on their lungs and living outside. It's, yeah, it's something. Uh, it was a, a rough lesson to learn by just walking out there.
0: Uh, we heard that you know, not everyone can do the full through hike to take six months out of a year uh, to hike the AT. There's other ways to do it. We heard about flip-flopping or starting in the middle. I want to uh, welcome into the conversation now uh, a caller from Bethlehem. Mike, are you there? Yes, I am. You're a Connecticut resident, and you're a section hiker. Tell us what that means.
4: Yes, there are, there are probably you know double the amount of section hikers than there are through hikers Uh, We're the people who go out and do a a small part of the trail. By small, I mean anything from, you know, a weekend away to uh, what I'm planning to do. I'm getting on the trail this Thursday, and uh, I've got like a little more than a month. So I'm hoping to do, you know, hundreds of miles. But uh, I'm up here in the room uh, packing my gear, and I've been getting excited and getting myself in shape for, for another trip. I've done about half the trail. So that's how we do it. That's how the section hikers Mm -hmm. do it.
0: Now, when you're on the trail, uh, people choose trail names. What's yours, Mike?
4: (laughs) My name, uh, yeah, we have trail names, uh, kind of nicknames. You know, mine is strummy stick because when I go on the trail, I bring this little one pound guitar thing. It's called a strum stick. And, uh, you know, I bring it with me and... And uh it's it it's it's lightweight enough so I can get it in my pack but uh but but I feel it every day as I'm walking so <laughs> so it's a, it's a chore to have it but it's a lot of fun. I do a lot of singing and playing as I go along.
0: Does that get, does that get you through the more challenging terrain at times?
4: Sometimes, you know. Sometimes you need you need a song to keep you going there
0: like <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you you send us a, a little uh, link to one of your songs and we'll try to tweet that out and share it with uh, uh, our where we live listeners but Mike thank you for your call uh, today as we talk about what it takes to hike the Appalachian Trail um, If this is something that you're interested in doing or you have made uh, that more than 2,000 mile hike uh, you can join the conversation 860-275-7266 uh, now Laurie uh, I wanted to just ask uh, when we when we think about about this volunteer organization that you work for, the Appalachian Trail Conservancy, working to uh, to preserve these trails, uh, the
2: impact on communities, and how you rely on volunteers. Well, gosh, um, Bent Mackay, who founded the trail, said that volunteers are the soul of the trail, and they, they truly are. There are about 6,000 of them uh, every year who work on a, a part of the trail, and we couldn't do it without them, and we need more. So you can go to uh, the Appalachian Trail Conservancy website, appalachiantrail.org volunteer and find out what opportunities are available near you. I know Connecticut needs them. Every one of the 14 states needs more and it's incredibly gratifying. I do that on the side. My husband and I maintain the one mile section of the trail and it's, it's just as rewarding as hiking. I highly recommend getting involved. You can join the
0: conversation, eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. David's calling from Hebron. David, go ahead.
4: Hi. I'm uh, actually taking my call, Lucy. I'd just kind of like to echo uh, what Lori was just talking about. Uh, I'm involved with the um, Connecticut Chapter Appalachian Mountain Club, Appalachian Trail Committee, and that's a group of volunteers that maintained the 52 miles in Connecticut and the adjoining Park Service land. And something I think most hikers, uh, certainly listeners, might not be aware of is that the Appalachian Trail is also a unit of the National Park Service. And something that makes it really unique is that it's a Park Service unit that is essentially maintained and managed by volunteers. And I think that's really a really special relationship that uh, folks should be aware of and appreciate.
0: David, thank you for your call. Uh, Mary Ann's calling from Bloomfield. Mary Ann, go ahead. Hi, I just want to also
5: agree that um, I've been following my friend Ray Galley, a.k.a. One Foot, who is hiking the Appalachian Trail. I believe he was supposed to be interviewed today, but his service, um, per his wife on Facebook, must not be good. Yeah, um, he's uh, caught in a
0: storm in North Carolina.
5: Yes, unfortunately, (laughs) Um, but he's hiking. He's retired um, from the state of Connecticut. I used to work with him, and um, I've been following him and his wife on Facebook. And the people on the trail are unbelievably kind and welcoming. And so I just wanted to agree that, yeah, just unbelievable.
0: You say that you're Uh, following uh, Ray's journey. Is this something that you'd like to do one day, Marion? Oh, No. (laughs) (laughs)
5: but my daughter actually you know so i worked with ray and my daughter is going to a camp in maine and um what the girls do is they build up their hike each year and the last year of their camp there in senior year of high school is they hike the last 100 miles of the appalachian trail and ray helped her uh finalize her packing and he's just an amazing guy Um, with the biggest heart in his wife. I just met her at his going away, and she is just amazing as well.
0: Um, Well, thank you, Marianne, for for calling in. And uh, it is a shame we weren't able to reach Ray Galley again, a Connecticut resident currently currently on the the trail attempting to hike the whole AT. He's uh, in North Carolina. And with the bad weather, we were unable to reach him. But you can follow uh, his journey on the AT if you search on Facebook at One Foot on the AT. Laurie, we just have a couple of minutes left. Laurie Pottinger, again, Information Service Manager for the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. Um, Again, people can just go outdoors and hike the trails near their homes uh, to get a taste of of what's in store if they try to hike the full AT. Uh, Where can they begin? What's some advice uh, for people um, who may not have the time to do the whole AT uh, but just want to experience a little bit of it at a time?
2: Well, there 500 places that you can access the Appalachian Trail. So there's likely one near you. And one thing that we started promoting uh, recently is called the 14-State Challenge, which is just to get out and experience a little piece of the trail in each of the 14 states, and you can set your own goals, whether it's walking past one white blaze on a tree or visiting one trail town or walking a mile or doing one overnight just to set a manageable goal that people who are working and just don't have the time for a longer hike can do and feel proud about. And we have a patch and uh, people find it's really inspiring and amazing. So they're just, just do it. (laughs) Well, Laurie Podiger again,
0: Information Service Manager for the
2: Appalachian Trail
0: Conservancy. Thank you so much for joining us today from the studios of WGMU in Fairfax, Virginia. We appreciate your time. My pleasure. Also, Sam Ducharme, uh, he uh, joined us today, um, I guess, on a wedding trip, as he says, uh, hiking the trail. He travels around New England uh, telling people about um, how to hike the AT and a little bit about his adventures. Uh, Sam, we thank you for calling in today as well.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure. Nice to Nice start, Dick
0: and Lucy. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpithanchel. That music you hear underneath us is from caller Mike from Bethlehem. Uh, his trail name is Strummy Stick, and uh, he says that he plays the strum stick uh, as he journeys along uh, the trails uh, as one way uh, uh, to, to hike the trail. So we wanted to play a little bit of that and uh, thank him for calling in. And we thank you for listening to the show today, produced by Carmen Baskoff. And you can support Where We Live with a phone call. and. He Here are my colleagues to tell you how.
2: Now I try to travel around with less and less.